Hallelujah. Peace and many blessings. We thank God for this evening. I pray that as the word of the Lord comes to us, God shall open our eyes to know him better. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your presence one more time. We pray, O God, that even as we have come to your feet, help us to know you better. Help us to have a better understanding of your ways and of your principles. We pray in the name of Jesus that let us leave this place loving you more and yearning for you more. I pray that you shall even speak through me unto your people. In Jesus' name, we have prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Um, This evening, we shall be dealing with a subject, developing your inner man to respond to God. Developing your inner man to respond to God. Um, I would like to lay just a few foundations before we tackle the main subject. Uh, If you study the Bible carefully, you will come to understand that whenever God wants to communicate to any man, he reaches out to that man in three fundamental ways. Every time that God has sought to speak to man or to communicate to man, he reaches out to man in three basic ways. Number one is through what the man sees. It's through what man sees. Number number two is through what man hears. Through what man hears. And number three is through what man perceives in his heart. Through what man perceives in his heart. So every time God is communicating to man, God is communicating to man, number one, through what that man sees. Number two, through what that man hears. And number three, through what that man perceives in his heart. So if you check through scripture, all the communications of God to his people, the communications of God to man, has either come by way of what a man saw, what a man heard, what a man perceived in his heart. And we find this in scripture. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13 and the verse 15. Matthew chapter 13 verse 15. It says, For the hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Hallelujah. So the Bible says that lest they should see with their eyes, they should hear with their ears, they should understand with their hearts. So you see the three basic ways that God communicates to man being stated in this scripture. See with their ears, hear, see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart. Let's look at First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2 9. The Bible says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So in this scripture too, you see the three fundamental ways being spoken about. Eye seeing, 
ear hearing, heart perceiving. Let's look at another scripture, Proverbs chapter 4, um, 20 to 21. For those of us who were here last week, our senior pastor shared this verse with us. Proverbs 4, from verse 20, he says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So if you look at this scripture also, you realize that it's talking about the three fundamental ways. Let's go to 20, verse 20. It says, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Then it says, keep them in the midst of your heart. So you see that all these three scriptures shows us the three fundamental ways that God communicates to any man when he wants to reach out to that man through what he sees, through what he hears, through what his heart perceives. So the question is, how does God communicate to us through what we see? How does God communicate to us through what we see? The first way God communicates to us through what we see is through what we observe occurring in nature. Through what we observe occurring in nature. Whatever we see happening in nature carries the voice of God. Whatever we see happening in nature carries the voice of God. Uh, Let's look at Romans chapter 1 and the verse 20. We are saying that God communicates to man through what we see. The first way he communicates to us through what we see is through what we observe occurring in nature. Romans 1 verse 20 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Hallelujah. It says, For ever since the world was created, we have seen the earth, nature. We have seen the sky, nature. It says through everything that God has made, through the birds in the air, through the trees that we see, when we look at the sea, it says all of these things, they speak of the invisible qualities of God. They speak of the fact that God has eternal power. They speak of His divine nature. They speak of His authority. They speak of His wisdom. They speak of His power. Hallelujah. And then He says that so they have no excuse for not knowing God. So God is saying that because I speak to you through what you see by way of what happens in nature, nobody has the excuse to say that I do not know God. This is one of the reasons why on the day we shall appear before God, nobody will say that I never heard of God, I never understood God, God was never presented to me. Because he's saying that through the things I have created, through the skies, through the earth, through the plants, through the beds, through everything you see in nature, my power is demonstrated, my existence is demonstrated, my divine nature is demonstrated, my authority is demonstrated. So you have no excuse to say, you never knew me, you never heard of me, you never encountered me. Praise the Lord. Let's look at another scripture in Psalm 19, verse 1 to 4. We are saying that God communicates to us through what we see by what we observe in nature. It says, for the choir director, a psalm of David, it says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. 
the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Day after day, they continue to speak. The heavens continue to speak. The skies continue to speak. So you see that God is speaking to us, but God is saying that I'm speaking to you by virtue of the things you see in nature, by virtue of the sky you see. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth. And their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. He says, yet their message has gone throughout the earth. And their words to all the world. So God is saying that I have spoken to you by the things you see in nature. I have communicated to you by the things you see occurring in nature. So that nobody has an excuse to say, God never spoke to me. When you see how God takes care of the birds in the field, when you see how God takes care of the flowers, when you see how God ensures that the sun rises and sets, when you see how God ensures that there's morning, afternoon, and there's evening, all every day throughout the year, there's morning, there's afternoon, there's evening. When you see all of these things happening in nature, God is saying that I'm speaking to you of a divine existence. I'm speaking to you of the fact that there's a God in heaven who controls all of these things. The sky is talking to you. The earth is talking to you. The birds are talking to you. The trees are talking to you. Hallelujah. So God communicates to us through what we see happening in nature. God communicates to us through what we see also by way of world events. By way of world events. We are saying that there are three ways God speaks to us. And we are saying that the first one is through what we see. Through what we see by nature, number one. Number two, through what we see by way of world events. The Bible tells us that in the last days, there shall be wars and there shall be rumors of wars. So when you sit in our present day and you see how America and Iraq had a war, and you see how Russia and Ukraine had a war, and you see how Israel and Hamas or Gaza is having a war. It's speaking to us. God is speaking to us by what we see, by way of what is happening through world events. Hallelujah. It's a message that God is speaking to us. And He's speaking to us through what we see. The Bible tells us that in the last days, knowledge shall abound. If you look in our world today, we have a vast growing artificial intelligence that is available to us in our day. And that is a voice to us that is speaking to us of the fact that God, what God predicted is, coming, is happening. What God said is coming to pass. Hallelujah. So God is speaking to us through what we see happening in our world today. So everything we see happening in our world today, when we see gay, when we see lesbianism, God is speaking to us. Because the Bible says that in the last days, men shall be lovers of themselves. Hallelujah. So through everything we see happening in the world today, God is speaking to us. Number three, God speaks to us by way of what we see through prophetic revelations. That is through dreams, through visions, through trances. God speaks to us by the dreams we see. God speaks to us by the visions we see. God speaks to us by the trances 
that we see. The Bible says that in the last days, I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So God is saying that in the last days, I'm speaking to you prophetically, but I'm speaking to you through dreams, through visions, through trances. Hallelujah. When it comes to how God speaks to us through what we see, these are the three ways that He communicates to us by what we see. What we see happen in nature, what we see happen by way of world events, what we see happen by way of prophetic revelations, dreams, visions, trances. Now, how does God communicate to us through what we hear? How does God communicate to us through what we hear? God communicates to us through what we hear by way of sermons. So like, as I'm speaking tonight, God is communicating to us. God is communicating to you through a vessel, through a man. And he's doing it by way of a teaching. He's doing it by way of a preaching. He's doing it by way of a sermon. Hallelujah. God communicates to us through what we hear by way of what we read from his word. So every morning when you wake up and you are having your quiet time, the words you are hearing from the scriptures, God is speaking to you through that. Hallelujah. Number three, God speaks to us through what we hear by way of natural conversation. By way of natural conversation. If we will be sensitive enough as we talk with one another, we will hear the voice of God in our natural conversations. When we look at the man Moses, it's very interesting because the Bible talks about Moses and the Bible says that Moses is a man that when it comes to all the prophets, God will speak to them in dreams and in visions. But with Moses, God says that I speak to him face to face. So when you look at Moses, Moses is a man who receives face to face encounters with God. When God wants to talk to him, God doesn't talk to him in a dream where he has to understand the meaning. God doesn't talk to him through a vision. God appears to him and God speaks to him face to face. So in reality, if you look throughout the life of Moses, we never see that Moses had a vision. Study Moses very well. We never read that Moses had a vision, Moses had a dream. No. God appears to Moses and God talks to Moses face to face. But something interesting happens in the life of Moses. One day, Moses' father-in-law comes to him. And they were having a conversation. And Jethro said, I see plenty of people gathered around you. What is happening? And then Moses said that, yes, they come to me to inquire of the Lord. And I judge matters that is happening among the people. And this was a conversation they were having. And Jethro said to him that, look, there is no wisdom in what you are doing. Because if you continue like this, you will worry yourself. You will grow sick. You will grow tired. You will die before your time. And then he said that, what I think you should do is that form judges. Put some in charge of thousands. Put some in charge of hundreds. Put some in charge of fifties. Put some in charge of tens. And I think that when you do it this way, it will be better for you. Jacob understood that God was speaking to him through a conversation he was having with Jethro. Now, notice that a man who speaks face to face with God, when you come and you're having a natural conversation with him, it will have to take the spirit of the Lord for him to discern that this time God has not appeared to me face to face to speak to me concerning this matter. God has spoken to me through a natural conversation that I'm having with my father-in-law. 
I pray that God will help us to discern his voice through natural conversations. Hallelujah. The same happens with Joseph. Joseph had a dream. And then as naive and ignorant as he is, he goes to speak of his dreams to his brothers. And his brothers are saying that, look, are you trying to say that you shall rule over us? He has another dream and he tells his father. And his father says, are you trying to say that your mother, my, your father and your brothers will all bow down to you? From that conversation, Joseph understands that God is up to something with me. Joseph understands that there is greatness that is beckoning over my life. Joseph may not have known this until he began to converse about the dream to his brothers and to his parents. And that is when the revelations of God began to come to him. That is when the voice of God began to come to him through a natural conversation that he was having about a dream he had just had. I pray that we shall grow to the point where we hear God in our natural conversation. When you are talking to your wife, may you be able to hear the voice of God. When you are talking to your husband, may you be able to hear the voice of God. Even when you are talking to your children, may they by their actions show you something about the nature of God. May they by their actions and how they relate to you, may they open your eyes to see how we as children relate to our Heavenly Father. Because the Bible says that we call God Abba. God is a judge. God is a righteous one. God is the one who punishes and he blesses. But God is also Abba. He's a father to us. So you must not only know God as a judge. You must not only know God as a rewarder. You must climb into the realm where you know God also as Abba. You must know the Abba dimension of God. And God may open your eye to that dimension of him by way of your natural relation with your child. Praise the Lord. God communicates to us through what we hear by natural conversations. Then we said that God also communicates to us through what we perceive in our hearts. God communicates to us through what we see, through what we hear, through what we perceive in our hearts. How does God communicate to us through what we perceive in our hearts? He does that by putting a longing in your heart. He does that by putting a desire in your heart. He does that by putting a prompting in your heart. And he watches to see, will you follow that prompting? Will you follow that desire? Will you follow that longing? In your quest to follow that desire, in your quest to follow that prompting, God navigates you through a path that is his will. God navigates you through a path that leads to the accomplishment of his plans and his purposes. And the way he does that is that he puts a desire and a longing in your heart and he prompts you to follow the path of that, that longing. Hallelujah. When you understand this, then you understand when the Bible says that for it is God who works in us, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. How does God work in us to be able to will and to do according to his good pleasure? God works in us by putting a desire in our hearts. God works in us by putting a longing in our hearts. And he's watching to see, will you follow that longing? Will you follow that desire? As you follow that longing and as you follow that desire, I work in you through that desire to accomplish my purposes for your life. Hallelujah. God speaks to us by putting a longing 
in our hearts. We only have to be careful so that we analyze that longing under the lens of scripture. We have to make sure that that desire, that prompting that we sense is, is bounded by the coordinates of scripture. Hallelujah. Because look, the same way that God can put a longing in your heart, that same way Satan can also put a longing in your heart. Praise the Lord. So one day the Bible says that there was a Shunammite woman who lived in Shunem. And there was a man of God called Elisha who would often pass through that country. And one day he, she arose and said, that, Look, I perceive that this is a true man of God. And he went to the husband and said, that, Look, I think we should prepare a place for this man so that when he comes, he will find a place to rest, he will find something to eat, he will refresh himself, and then he will be on his journey. How did God communicate to the woman? She put in her heart that this is a true man of God. Help him. This is a true man of God. Find a place for him. This is a man I have sent. He's doing my work. I have to take care of him. And I am putting it in your heart that find a place for him. God spoke to the woman. She didn't see a vision. She didn't see a dream. A prophet did not come to her and say that, look, tomorrow by this time, I see that a man of God will pass by your place. Find a place for her. She said she perceived in her heart. God put the longing and the prompting in her heart and said that this man do something for him. Many of us, God has spoken to us by a prompting that he put in our heart. But we ignored the prompting. Many of us, God has spoken to us by something that he put, a desire he put in our heart, a longing he put in our heart, our, an assignment he put in our hearts to do. And that was the voice of God coming to you through the promptings of your heart. But a lot of us, we are waiting for a prophetic word from a man of God. We, we are waiting and say that, look, God, if this is you, you must send a man. He must come and tell me, dito, 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 dito. But look, sometimes God will put a prompting in your heart. Like she put a prompting in the heart, in the heart of that Shunammite woman. And as you respond to that prompting, you respond to the voice of God. Hallelujah. Now, the main question for today is how are we then supposed to respond to God when He communicates or when He reaches out to us through any of these mediums? That's the main topic for today. But I just have to lay this foundation so that when we zoom into it, we have a better understanding. So how do we develop ourselves to be able to respond to God when He speaks to us? When God speaks to us through what we see, when God speaks to us through what we hear, when God speaks to us through what we perceive in our hearts, how are we supposed to respond to God? When you study your Bible carefully, you will come to see that Scripture outlines certain biblical ways by which we are supposed to respond to the voice of God. Scripture teaches us ways by which when God speaks, He expects us to receive His word and to receive His voice. The first way God instructs us to receive His voice can be found in James chapter 1 and the verse 21. James chapter 1 verse 21. The Bible says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And receive with meekness the engrafted word receive with meekness the engrafted word. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. The first way God expects us to respond to his voice is to receive with meekness. Receive with meekness. When I speak to you through what you see, 
when I speak to you through what you hear, when I speak to you through what I put in your heart, I expect you to receive that voice with meekness. What does it mean to receive with meekness? To receive with meekness is to accept and to submit without resistance. That is simply what it means to receive with meekness. To accept the voice of God, to submit to the voice of God without resistance. That is meekness. Receive with meekness. For those of us who have been very long in this church, there is a prayer that we have been praying for a very long time. We all, we've always been praying that the word of God shall have a free course in our lives. If you've been here for long, I'm sure you have prayed this prayer many times when we have gathered to pray that the word of the Lord will have free course in our lives. What does it mean for the word of God to have free course in our lives? It means that when the word of God comes, you must be able to submit to that word of God. You must be able to receive it. You must be able to accept it without resistance. So every time we have prayed and said that, Father, let your word have free course in our lives, what we are actually praying was that, Father, help us to receive your word with meekness. Help us to accept your voice Help us to submit to your voice without resistance. Praise the Lord. So when you study your Bible, you see that one day the Bible said that angel of the Lord came to a young virgin called Mary. And he said that, look, prepare yourself because very soon you shall be pregnant with child. And Mary looked at the angel and Mary said, how can this be seeing that I know no man? The angel said that the, the spirit of the Lord shall overshadow you. And then Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. That is received with meekness, the engrafted word of God. What Mary did is the definition of receive with meekness. She said, be it unto me according to your word. She accepted the word. She submitted to the word without resistance. She said, be it unto me according to your word. She received with meekness the voice of God, the word of God. Hallelujah. When we look in the life of Jesus, we realize that Jesus also received with meekness the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father was that, look, I need you to go down and die for the sake of my people. And when Jesus was on the way to the cross, before he journeyed to the cross, he said that if it be possible, let this cup pass me by. Then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus said, I am submitting to your voice. I am accepting and submitting to your voice. The natural me, this is not what I want to do. The natural me, this is not where I want to go. But I will receive with meekness the word you have spoken to me. I will receive with meekness your voice. So nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That is receiving with meekness. Look, you can receive the voice of God, but you can, you can receive it not with meekness. Yeah. Jonah was a prophet of God. He received the voice of God, but he did not receive it with meekness. God said, go to Nineveh. He said, I will go to Tarshish. God practically has to frustrate his life before he said, okay, I will go to Nineveh. So he received the voice of God, but he did not receive it with meekness. But he was a prophet. <laughs> he was a prophet. 
then I realized that, look, this thing called receive with meekness, it doesn't come by way of title. It doesn't come by way of office. You can be in a fivefold office, but you have still not as yet attained the stature of receive with meekness. Look, if God has to break your neck before you follow through what he has told you to do, you have not attained to the state of, of receive with meekness. If when God says that, look, go left, and you say that I'm going to go center right, and he has to make some tragedy happen to you, he has to make something not work, before you say that, okay, I've tried everything, it is not working, let me take the left that you say I should go. That is not receiving with meekness. You have not accepted and submitted to it readily without resistance. That is not receive with meekness. But the Bible says that when I speak to you, you must receive with meekness. So just analyze yourself. If when God speaks to you, you struggle before you flow with it, you have not reached this point. Receive with meekness. I pray that God will help us tonight to receive with meekness His voice to us. So this is the first way that God expects us to respond to Him when He speaks to us. He wants us to receive His voice with meekness. Number two, he wants us to receive his voice with faith. Receive with faith. Number one is receive with meekness. Number two is receive with faith. Receive with faith. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 and the verse 2. The Bible says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The writer of Hebrews saying that, look, we have heard the voice of God to us. For unto us was the gospel preached. We have heard the voice. They have also heard the voice. The difference between us and them is that we mix it with faith and they did not mix it with faith. That is why they do not see the tangibility of the word of God and of the voice of God happening in their lives because they did not receive it with faith. I came to tell you, if the voice of God will become real in your life, if what God has said over your life will come to pass, you must not only receive with meekness, you must also receive with faith. Because there is something that happens when you receive with meekness, but there is another thing also that happens when you receive with, with faith. Don't make the mistake of receiving with only meekness, but not receiving with faith. Praise the Lord. What does it mean to receive with faith? It means to believe that what God has said is true. It's to believe that what God has said is real. It's to believe that what God has said will come to pass. That is what it means to receive with faith. For we have heard the gospel preached unto us, as well as unto them. But it did not profit them, because they did not receive it with faith. The centurion in scripture is one person who teaches us how to receive with faith the word of God. He came to Jesus and said, look, my servant is at home, he's dying. I need a miracle. And Jesus said, let's go. He said, no, 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 no. no. I, I receive with faith whatever you say. I remember the other day when you said the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The day you said that, I believed it. I believe that there is a spirit of healing that can come out from your voice. So just speak and I believe that my servant will be made whole. That is what it means to receive with faith. Praise the Lord. Receive with faith. You see, sometimes when 
a man of God is preaching and he's decreeing something and he's declaring something. Sometimes our eyes are not open to receive with faith. Sometimes, like, okay, they, he has to preach and he has to ginger the people. So you think that when he says, what he says is gingering the people. No, it's a decree that when you receive with faith, it will work for you. You see, the Bible tells us that I believe in God and you shall be established. Believe also his prophet and you shall prosper. So there's, there's the arena for what the prophet says, which brings a prospering to your life when you receive it with faith. Hallelujah. And when we talk about the prophet, we are not just talking about somebody in the office of a prophet. That, that verse is trying to say that believe in God and you shall be established. Believe in the men he has sent. Believe in the words they speak. Hold it close to their heart. When you believe with it, it shall work for you. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, Hannah did not have a child just because she went and she poured out her spirit to God. She had a child because when Eli spoke, she received with faith what Eli had said. It's not only the prayer of Hannah that brought her children. It's also the decree of Eli who might have been a fallen priest. But Hannah said, look, since you are the high priest and God talks to you, whatever you have said, I believe it and I hold it with faith. That is when she saw a manifestation of what she desired in her heart. It was a combination of her personal determination and the voice that came from the mouth of prophet praise the Lord sometimes you start to see when a man of God is preaching powerfully and sometimes we are just there and I wonder if only you know that God has told us believe his prophets because there is a prosperity of the spirit that will come by virtue of what the prophet is saying there's a prosperity of the soul that will come by virtue of what he's saying. There's a prosperity of finances that will come by virtue of what he's saying. There's a prosperity spiritually that will come by virtue of what he's saying. And I'm looking at people and sometimes they receive like, okay, he has, he, has, he has spoken, okay. God expects us to receive with faith. Hallelujah. I pray that after tonight, may you receive the word and the voice of God with faith. May you receive with meekness. May you receive with faith. Praise the Lord. Number three, God expects us to respond to his voice. He expects us to receive his voice and his word with prayer. Receive with prayer. That's number three. We've looked at receive with meekness. We've looked at receive with faith. We are looking at receive with prayer. Receive with prayer. Daniel chapter 9. Let's read verse 1 to verse 2. The Bible says, In the first year of Dairos, son of Zexus, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from scripture take notice he understood from scripture he heard the voice of god from what he saw and what he heard from scripture i understood from scripture according to the word of the lord given to jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of jerusalem will last 70 years continue so i turned to the lord god and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting, in sackcloth, and in ashes. Daniel was saying that I heard the voice of God. And I heard the voice of God through the scripture. That 
Jeremiah wrote. And when I heard that voice of God, this is what I did. I turned to the Lord and I pleaded with him in prayer. I I heard the voice of God that the captivity of Israel was supposed to last 70 years. And that time had already passed. So I turned to the Lord and I received that voice that I heard from scripture. I received it with prayer. So I started to pray. And I started to pray. And I started to fast. And I started to lay in sackcloth. That is how Daniel received the voice of God. He received it in prayer. Let me tell you, there are certain things that God will speak. The only thing that will cause a manifestation of that thing that he has spoken is when you receive it with prayer. There are certain things God will speak. The only thing that will bring it into reality is when you receive that word with prayer. The Bible says that as soon as Zion traveled, she brought forth. That well traveled this prey. As soon as Zion prayed, she brought forth. Zion did not bring forth because God only spoke. Zion brought forth is because Zion brought forth because they prayed with what God spoke. Praise the Lord. She brought forth because she prayed. She traveled with what God spoke. Some of us we have heard what God has spoken, but we are sitting down. And we are waiting for it to happen. I came to tell you tonight that whatever God has said, if you see a manifestation of it, God expects you like Daniel to receive it with prayer. What has God said about your family? Receive it with prayer. God has said he will use you across the world. Receive it with prayer. God has said that he will bless your children. Receive it with prayer. God has said that he will bless your business. Receive it with prayer. God says that he will increase you spiritually. Receive it with prayer. God says he will heal you of the sickness. Receive it with prayer. God says he will give you a glorious marriage. Receive it with prayer. Don't receive it only with meekness. Don't receive it only with faith. Receive it also with prayer. The Bible says that in all things with prayer and supplication. Receive his voice with prayer. Hallelujah. Because you see, you have to understand that the Bible says that for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly realms. So when Daniel even started praying, God said, I release the answer to you. But the angel who carried the answer was withheld by the prince of Persia. And how did Daniel deal with that situation? He kept praying. And he kept praying. And he kept praying. And he kept praying. Remember when the angels came, he said that from the day that you set your heart to inquire of the Lord, he released the answer. But day one, the answer was released, but it never came. Day two, the answer was released, but it never came. Day three, the answer was released, but it never came. Daniel had to keep praying, and had to keep praying, and had to keep praying, until 21 days, when Michael came to help the other angel, and the other angel brought the answer to, to Daniel. When God speaks to you, Receive with prayer. Receive with meekness. Receive with faith. But receive also with prayer. Because let me tell you, there's a prince of Persia that is waiting to arrest the angel that has the blessing in his hand. Receive with prayer. Receive with prayer. 
You see, and Jesus understood this perfectly. Before Jesus came onto the, into the well, Jesus knew what the Father had spoken to John the Baptist. Jesus knew the voice of God to John the Baptist. Jesus knew that God had told John the Baptist that, look, this is how the Son of God will be revealed. This is how the Messiah will be showed forth to the world. As you baptize, the one that will step into the water, and when you baptize him, you will see the heavens open, and the Spirit of the Lord shall descend upon him like a dove. That is the Messiah, and you must decree over him, and you must declare over him that this is the lamp of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus, before he came into the world, knew that this was what God had written and this is what God had spoken concerning himself and concerning John the Baptist. Now, if you read your Bible carefully, when Jesus came and was being baptized, the Bible says that he stepped into the water to be baptized, praying. He stepped into the water to be baptized, praying. Now, let's notice that he already knew what God had spoken. He already knew the voice of God. But he did not just accept it with meekness and faith. He accepted it with prayer. And this is why he accepted it with prayer. Because he knew that Satan is crafty. He knew that if I don't pray with this word, this is the glorious manifestation of the Son of God to the world. This is how I will be announced to the whole world. This is how all men will see that indeed I am the Messiah. I am the lamp of God that taketh away the sins of the world. This is what God has decreed that should happen but I must enter into that process praying because I know Satan the Bible says that for we are not ignorant of his devices I know that Satan will find a way to bring this thing not to come to pass I know Satan will find a way of blocking and preventing this thing from happening so I'm going to be baptized I know the end from the beginning but I know that I have to pray concerning this matter I know that I have to pray with this word so Jesus entered the water and he was praying and he was praying and he was praying and he knew why he was praying because when Jesus entered into the water to be baptized by John John knew that God said that the one you will baptize when the heavens open and the spirit descends on him like the dove he is the one as soon as John saw Jesus John knew that this was the one and so John said that look I should not baptize you you rather have to baptize me when you look at it on surface value you will think that oh John was showing a sign of humility no it wasn't a sign of humility this was Satan speaking to John and saying that look we will find a way to make this thing not come to pass we will find a way of making sure that this grand announcement to the world that this is the savior of the world will not come to pass so Satan starts to whisper to John and, and says to him, look at yourself and look at him. You are not worthy to baptize him. So Jesus enters into the water and John says that, look, I know what God has said, but in this moment I don't think that it is right. I don't think that I'm the one who is qualified to baptize you. And Jesus said that I saw this thing before. That is why I started praying before I entered the water. Because I knew that Satan will visit you and Satan will begin to whisper to you and Satan will begin to tell you that you know the assignment or you know what God said. But in this material moment, you are not qualified for it. So when Jesus said, I knew this was going to happen. So I received this word and I entered the waters praying. Look, if you don't understand this, you won't understand why God will speak a word to you. And when the time of manifestation comes, you feel unqualified. You feel that, no, I cannot do this thing. You feel that, no, this is not for me. It happened to John the Baptist. He knew from time immemorial 
that God said, this is how my son will be revealed. When the time came, Satan attacked him. And Satan said, you are not qualified for this. The surprising thing is that all these years, God was preparing him for just this one thing. And when the day of manifestation for that one thing came, he said that I am not worthy. Jesus knew that this will happen. So he received the word praying. He entered to be baptized praying because he was not ignorant of the devices of Satan. I don't know what word God has spoken to you. But I came to tell you, you must hold on to that word with prayer. You must receive that voice with prayer. You must receive God with meekness. You must receive God with faith. But you must receive him also with prayer. Hallelujah. Number four. When God speaks to us, we must receive him with repentance. We must receive him with repentance. We must receive his voice with repentance. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. And we'll read from verse 37 to 38. The Bible says that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When God speaks to us, when His voice comes to us, and His voice begins to point out our shortcomings, His voice begins to point out our sins, His voice begins to point out our errors, He expects us to receive His voice with repentance. The Bible says that when Peter had preached, the people heard the voice of God and they asked, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, This is what you must do. You must receive this voice of God with repentance. You must repent and be baptized. I pray that when the voice of God comes to you and begins to communicate to you about the areas in your life which are not right, about the pitfalls in your life, about your shortcomings, I pray that God would help you to receive with repentance His voice. Whenever God comes to us and starts to communicate to man in the area of his shortcomings, there are three major ways that man responds to God. Number one is that we receive that voice with repentance, which is how we are supposed to do it. Like in the case of Daniel, when the prophet came to him and he pointed out his sin with Bathsheba, then David said, look, I have sinned. And that is what made him write Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O God, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David received the voice of God with repentance. The second way some people receive the voice of God is that they receive it with guilt and condemnation, which eventually causes them to fall away. They receive it with guilt and condemnation, which causes them to fall away. We have to understand that as believers, when the voice of God comes to us in the area of our sin, He comes to convict us, not to condemn us. The Bible says that for there is now therefore no more condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. So when the voice of God comes,
comes to you in the area of your sin. He's coming to convict you. He's not coming to condemn you. The role of the Holy Spirit is conviction. The role of Satan is condemnation. That is why he's called the accuser of the brethren. Hallelujah. So when God visits you in the area of your sin, he's coming to convict you. He's not coming to condemn you. But some people allow the guilt and the condemnation to swallow them to such an extent that they fall away. The Bible tells us that we should come to the throne of grace. And at that throne of grace, we shall obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is saying that I have a throne that I sit on. That throne is called the throne of grace. When I point your sin out to you, what I expect you to do is to come to the throne of grace. And let's talk about the matter. Come to the throne of grace and let's dialect on the matter. And when you come to that throne of grace, at that throne of grace, there is nothing like condemnation. At that throne of grace, there are two things. There is mercy and there is grace. Mercy to pardon you for your wrong and grace to help you to overcome it next time. So he said, come boldly to the throne of grace. He didn't say, come timidly. He didn't say, come shy. He didn't say, come guilty. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace. The reason why he tells you to come boldly to the throne of grace is because there's no condemnation in the throne of grace. So he said that when you are approaching the throne of grace, come with boldness because you know that you will not be condemned. On that throne of grace, there's no condemnation. That is why he says, come boldly. Hallelujah. Maybe you are here and you are dealing with guilt and condemnation. God gave me two scriptures. God gave me two scriptures. Let's look at First John chapter 3 and the verse 20. He says, for if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knoweth all things. God is saying that, have I come to you in the area of your sin? Is your heart condemning you? God is saying that I am greater than your heart. I am greater than that heart which is condemning you. God is saying that, come to me. Don't run away from me. Don't fall away from me. Come to me. Because that heart that is condemning you, I, God, I am greater than that heart. And by the time I'm done with you, that heart that is condemning you, I have the ability to turn around that heart and to give you confidence out of that heart and to give you love out of that heart and to give you hope out of that heart. So he says that, is your heart condemning you? I, God, I am greater than your heart. Praise the Lord. Let's look at another scripture. Isaiah 1 and the verse 18. It says, Come now and let's reason together. See the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Hallelujah. God is saying that, Come to me. Have I spoken to you about your sin? Do you feel condemned? Do you feel guilty? He says, come to me. Don't run away from me. Come to me. Let's reason out the matter. Let's talk about the matter. By the time we are done talking about the matter, I possess the ability to make that dark spot in your heart. I have the ability to make it as white as snow. Praise the Lord. I don't know who I may be talking to, but God is saying that, come to him and reason together with him. And he will turn away that condemnation. He will turn away those dark spots. Because he's there to convict and to heal. Not to condemn and to cast away. Hallelujah.
Now, the third way that men respond to him when he visits them in the area of their sin is that sadly, some respond to him in pride and unrepentance. And if God talks to you in the area of your sin, in the area of your shortfalls, and you respond to him in pride and in unrepentance, you will end up in hell. You may be in church for how long, but you will die and you will go to hell. Hallelujah. Because he says that a broken and a contract height, I will in no wise cast out. Praise the Lord. I pray that may God help us when we hear his voice dealing with our sin, dealing with our issue, dealing with our shortcomings. Hallelujah. Then the last way that God expects us to receive his voice and his word is that he expects us to receive his voice and his word with meditation. Receive with meditation. Receive with meditation. Let's look at Joshua 1.8. He says, For this book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and the night. He says that the book of the Lord, the book of the Lord is representative of the voice of God. It's representative of the commandments of God. It's representative of the word of God. And he says that this voice of God, this word of God, shall not depart from your mouth. But when you hear that voice of God, you shall meditate during day and night. God is saying that when you hear my voice, I expect you to meditate on it. Let me tell you something. If you see any man of God whom you think that is has depth in revelation of scripture this is one of their secrets the secret of meditation of scripture anybody that you feel has depth in the word of God has profound revelation of scripture this is one of the things they practice they practice meditation of scripture you shall meditate upon it day and night because it's in the realm of meditation that the Holy Spirit begins to open your eyes beyond what you see in the text the Bible says that blessed are they in the book of Revelations blessed are they who read this word there's a blessing for reading the word but there's a deeper blessing for meditation of the word if you take two believers one who just reads the word and one who meditates upon the word the depth of revelation the depth of insight the depth of understanding of the ways of God, of the pathways in the spirit, of the, of the mannerisms of God, of scripture is different. And what has ushered that person into that other dimension is the activity of meditation of scripture. The other day, Jesus met Peter and Co. on the seashore and he said that, look, little children, have you any fish? And he said that, look, we have toiled all night and we have got nothing. And Jesus said, cast your net into the deep. What it meant was that all this while, they were fishing ashore. They were fishing ashore. And Jesus said that, look, if you want to catch fishes, you must cast your net into the deep. If you just read the word of the Lord, you are just fishing ashore. God is saying that you have to enter the deep. To enter the deep, you have to practice what we call meditation of scripture. Meditate on it day and night. It's in the arena of meditation that a revelation comes. So when when Apostle Paul prays for them and he says that I pray that God shall give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. One of the ways that that wisdom and revelation will come is that when they take this Bible and they say that I read John 3.6 and they begin to ask themselves, God, what are you trying to say in John 3.16? Then the Holy Spirit says, Alas, I have found the man who has entered into the realm of meditation of scripture. When you see that man, you will see that the revelation of scripture is just beyond what we come and say, Oh, that Jesus died and resurrected. Give your heart to him. Out of that same scripture that is so simple to you, that man brings out a revelation and an understanding and you ask yourself, how did this man come by these things? He came by them through the medium of meditation. Thou shalt meditate on it day and night. Revelation don't come. 
just come. Revelations come by what we call meditation of scripture. Meditation of scripture. Many of us, when we have our quiet time, we read the scripture, we read the commentary, finish. We've had quiet time. As we journey through the day, we never reflect on the scripture. We never reflect on the story. And we begin to say, God, what are you really trying to show me from this? What are you really trying to communicate to me from this? And the Lord shall begin to tell you, this is what I meant. This is how this is connected to that. This is how that story was connected to that story. The other day, when you saw me with Cornelius, that is how it is connected to this one. When you saw me do this with this person, that is how it is connected to this one. The realm that that happens is in the realm of meditation. It's not in the realm of just reading. It's in the realm of meditation. Praise the Lord. So if you are deficient in revelation, I am telling you that one of your problems is that there is an absence of meditation of scripture. God expects us to receive his voice with meditation. As we meditate, he increases our revelation. As we meditate, he increases our understanding. As we meditate, he takes us deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Let me tell you, there's always a text behind the text that you read. There's always a revelation behind the revelation you are reading in scripture. There is always something that is behind that God has to open your eyes to. Other than that, you will never see it. And that, that realm is the realm of meditation. I pray that after tonight, God will help us to meditate on His word day and night. I pray that as we meditate, let insight come. Let knowledge come. Let revelations come. Hallelujah. I pray that from tonight, Father, help us. Help us. Help us, Lord. When we have heard your voice, Lord, help us. Just pray just one minute. Our times are just pray one minute. And say, Father, help us. Help us. Help us to receive your word with meekness. Help us to receive your word with faith. Help us to receive your voice with prayer. Help us to receive your voice with repentance. Help us to receive your voice with meditation. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, for those of us who struggle to just flow with your word, give us the grace for meekness. Those of us who struggle to follow through what you have said, help us to receive your voice with meekness. You said and receive with weakness the engrafted word of God. Oh, Father, those of us who struggle to believe, help us to receive your voice with faith. Help us to receive your voice with faith. Help us to receive your voice with faith. Help us to receive your voice with prayer. We have received many words, but we have slept on those words. Father, after tonight, help us to receive your voice with prayer. Help us to receive your word with prayer. Help us to receive your word with prayer. Father, even when you have revealed our sins to us, help us to receive with repentance. Help us to receive with repentance. Help us to receive with repentance. And oh God, when we have read your word, when you have revealed your voice to us, help us to receive with meditation. Help us to meditate on it day and night. Help us, O oh God, to have deeper revelation by way of meditation. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. We thank you that you have helped us. We thank you that you have granted us grace tonight. In the name of Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name we've prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Peace and many blessings.